When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories. And really, come on, y'all. And start writing your own. Do your own work. Stop over there wishing and praying and hoping that you be you are that person because you're not. That person lived their life and accomplished their goals through their journey. And I always tell people to lead with your gifts, your gifts, your passions. And don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. The interviews I do on Money Making Conversations are really geared towards you. I, I call some of my friends who are celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and people I they call industry decision makers to come on the show and just... Show you the way. You know, I always tell people this. Successful people can tell you how to be successful because they are successful. My next guest is very successful. She's back and she's healthy. She's Sean Robinson. She's a proud graduate of HBCU. We always talk about this every time. Spellman in Atlanta University, in Atlanta, Georgia. Spellman. She's an Emmy-winning journalist, TV host, producer, and philanthropist. She's an executive producer on the New Lifetime, original movies, Lust, A Seven Deadly Sin Story, and Envy. That's back-to-back, April 10th and April 17th. Envy, a seven deadly sin story. And we'll also be discussing a little bit her hosting duties on Nanny Day Fiance franchise, <laughs> Tell All, and her foundation, which I always have to talk about, Sean, a foundation for girls which nurtures and supports underserved and underrepresented girls and young women in the areas of STEM, health, arts, unity, neighborhoods. Please welcome back to my show, been a long time, Miss Sean Robinson. Hello, my friend. How are you? It's so great to be back with you. Let, let me put the word executive producer 
Sean Robinson, because, <laughs> you know, Sean, we've known each other a long time. Originally, of course, you know, we was hosting the entertainment magazine show. That journey to this journey, we don't see it, but it, it's happening now. And, you, and you're so popular on your LinkedIn. You know, people really resonate with your motivational quotes and your, your, your lifestyle. You really are starting to find your voice. Or maybe you've always had your voice, but you're using the platform to tell it now. Tell us about that. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, just being here with you is a real blessing Mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, share my message and, uh, you know, share these, you know, these new chapters in my life, because I'm all about, uh, you know, helping to motivate people and telling them that, you know, you can do many Mm -hmm. things uh, by, by sheer perseverance, faith, and hard work. Uh, that's, you know, that's what I'm about. So, you know, um, you know, spent uh, my entire career <laughs> in front of the camera uh, doing, first started in local news in uh, my hometown of Detroit, and then worked my way up through so many different um, news markets, and then came to uh, a, a national show, and national back then meant national because there was no Facebook, Twitter, no social media, anything like that. Back in 1999, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it was so, so long ago. And then uh, after spending, you know, 16 years on uh, Access Hollywood, um, started thinking, you know, what is next? What's next for me? How do I, how do I, you know, use my talents, put what I've learned to good use and just started kind of acquiring different properties uh, thinking about different projects that I wanted to do and really trying to, you know, pursue those goals and, and, and figure out like, what exactly do I want my, my next chapter to look like? And what do I want my legacy also to be? And so, um, so here we are today. It's, um, you know, in addition to being an Emmy award winning journalist, I now get to add executive producer, as you said to my name, which I'm so excited about with these new movies on Lifetime. Not one, but two movies on Lifetime. So I'm, I'm just really very, very blessed. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a long journey, but it's been one with peaks and valleys. And so, um, you know, it's led me to you today. Well, you know, the beauty of the, the valleys are there are major peaks that really doesn't the, the valley isn't the, so much a valley. It's just a place to rest so you can re- climb another peak. Because that's what yeah. you're doing. Every time I've seen you, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's community. and But it all started you know, in Atlanta at Spelman. And HBCUs yeah. came to the forefront of America during the pandemic era. When after, especially post-George Floyd's corporation started making a lot of donations towards HBCUs. And we've always talked about HBCUs every time I've interviewed your own money-making conversation. Talk about the foundation of that. And Hollywood is dominated by HBCU graduates in the entertainment industry. And you're just one of the leaders in that now behind the camera. Talk about the success that you got from the educational and the lifestyle that was presented to you at Spelman. Yeah. You know, Spelman gave me um, a, an appreciation, a real appreciation for sisterhood. And also when you empower a girl, she can change the world. And that was one of the reasons that I started my foundation. Uh, but even before that, you know, I came from parents who always taught me if God gives you a platform, use it to give back. I could cover a gazillion red carpets. I could make, you know, so much money in the world. Um, but what I was doing for other people 
is what was important uh, to my parents and to my grandparents. So I always, you know, my journey through life has been led by philanthropy and giving back. So at Spelman, it was, you know, I remember, Rashawn, just saying, I mean, thinking about the women that I saw right before me as this girl, this teenage girl, and then a girl, the, you know, you know, in my early 20s, sitting there seeing uh, like poets, Nikki Giovanni, Alice Walker, um, Coretta Scott King, uh, civil rights leaders coming through the, the gates of Spelman and speaking to us about our dreams, our goals, and um, the fact that we can accomplish anything that we put our minds to. I would not trade my education at Spelman for anything in the world. It just taught us that, you know, first of all, it taught us the value of education and a real, gave us a real connection about our, our ancestry and where we came from. And the fact that it was up to us to help change the world for the better for all these little black girls coming after us. Mm-hmm. So um, that, like I said, that was one of the reasons that I started my foundation because it's important to give back and it's important to give a voice to those that, that don't have one. Amazing. Uh, lifetime and Bishop T.D. Jakes. Yes. Uh, um, the idea, the concept. Now, how did you gain control of the franchise that you have? Mm-hmm. And did there, one is premiering on Lifetime this Saturday, and the following Saturday, the second one is premiering, back-to-back weekends with your name on it. Talk yes. about pulling it all together, and then we're going to talk about each episode and not giving away too much of the plot. Yes, yes. And so, Rashawn, I'm I'm sure being, you know, an executive producer, you know, producer (laughs) yourself, you can identify with a lot of this story. But when I actually when I was still at Access Hollywood, I started thinking about like, okay, what what what, you know, do I want to have control over? I I want to have control over different projects. I want to start acquiring projects that I'm really, really interested in. Um, And so a friend of mine. Uh, named Patrick Henry Bass. He was at Essence Magazine at the time, who's a books editor. Right. And he called me, uh, you remember Patrick, mm-hmm. I think you do know Patrick. Mm-hmm. He, um, he called me up and he said, Sean, he said, uh, I just got the galley for a new book, an upcoming book by author Victoria Christopher Murray, who's a very prominent author in the African-American community. And she's written like, I don't know, 30 books or so. And he said, the book is called Lust. She's writing the entire seven deadly sins. Each book is a different deadly sin. He said, you need to call Victoria up, tell her that you want to option this book and the entire series. And so I called Victoria uh, because I knew her and I said, hey, Victoria, you know, I'm producing now and I would really love to try to turn these books into movies. So she was like, "Okay, let's do it. And so when I first so we did the deal and when I first started pitching it around town, Rashawn, uh, you know, I, I pitched it back then to Lifetime. Mm-hmm. I pitched it to some other networks. I pitched it to individual producers and everyone loved it. But it j- the timing wasn't right. right. And this is the thing about timing. OK. Mm-hmm. Just because there, just because the answer is sometimes we think the answer is no, mm-hmm. but the answer is really not yet. Yeah, right. Okay. So that's really important. So I was pitching, pitching around town and then, uh, you know, several months, I think, gosh, almost a year probably went by 
And I pitched it to T.D. Jakes also. And then Bishop Jakes did a project at Lifetime that was very, very well received, as all of his projects are. But um, so he wanted, he was acquiring more property. He wanted to do, you know, he was looking for more projects to do. And so his producing partner, Derek Williams, called me up and he said, um, he said, hey, Sean, do you still have, you remember that project we talked about many, many moons ago, do you still have the project, The Seven Deadly Sins? And I said, yes, I do still have it. And he said, well, Bishop Jakes would like to partner with you and do it on Lifetime. And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so we did. We formed this partnership. And there it was. We had, because of this, you know, because of this partnership now, we have, you know, these two movies, possibly seven movies, we, we hope. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're calling it. And that's how that's how it all happened. And so we started working on it, started working on the scripts, uh, you know, found writers for the, you know, for the scripts. And then uh, COVID happened. Right. Everything came to a standstill. I'm like, oh, no, not again, not again. And so um, and so then everything slowed down. But then Lifetime came to us and said, OK, let's let's get in gear. Let's do it. And we ramped up really, really fast. And we shot through COVID. And now here it is. Like, it, And I think I optioned the books, Rashawn, in 2018, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> um, or 2017. No, actually in 2017. That's when I talked to Victoria about the books. 2017. Here we are in 2021. Uh, now the movies are happening. And so, you know, sometimes it happens fast. Sometimes it doesn't. But you just have to keep at it. You keep you have to keep on persevering uh, until you reach that goal. Well, you know, the thing about it is that, first of all, that's still, with COVID interest, delaying everything, that's still pretty fast. From the idea of talking yeah. to somebody, then pitching it, and then you have back-to-back movies on back-to-back weekends yes. airing in 2021. It's pretty fast. It's pretty yes. fast. For second, first of all, not only pretty fast, but also well-produced, where I saw both movies in off-air, and I got to tell, tell everybody on air, I am a guy, I get a lot of books, I get a lot of movies to watch. Sometimes I watch three or four movies a weekend. I've gotten yep. really good at reading books really fast and reading and scanning through movies really bad, because I see the beginning of the plot. I pretty much know how the middle is going to feel like in the end. I could not do that with your movies. <laughs> your movies were so well written. The characters were so well developed. If you did not, if you missed any nuance of the character's reason, the rationale for why they're doing something in the movie, then you missed the movie. It forced me to watch Every minute of those movies, and that, my friend, is an incredible testament to being a great writers, great directors, but also great leadership as an executive producer. Tell us about these movies. Well, well okay, so Lust mm-hmm. is that insatiable desire yes. to have yes. something <laughs> that you know you should not have. Okay, who hasn't felt that at some time in their life? Everybody can deal. Everybody can can identify with lusting after something or someone at some point in their life. So our 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 main character, Tiffany, is, um, you know, she's in a relationship about to get married with the man of her dreams. And then she is confronted with 
one of the deadly sins, which is lust, and how that takes her uh, down a path that um, she is going to have to deal with the consequences of lust. And how do you deal with it? And here, here's the thing, Rashawn, I grew up in the church, okay? Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, you know, my background is in the church. I, you know, I was baptized when I was, I don't know, I think sick or took my first communion at six, raised Catholic. But anyway, so, you know, they teach us about the consequences of sin, the wages of sin, you know? So, you know, I, I love these stories because it does have that element of faith, but it's not beating you over the head with, you know, you should do this or you should do that. So the journey, now the audience goes on this journey with Tiffany. Yes, they do. At times they're probably like, no, don't do that. But you know, they, they want her, they want her to win in the end. Well, it's, it's, first of all, Great acting, great casting. You know, let me just drop a little in the lust, my man. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> sexy guys are in this movie. Uh, Carrie's uh, takes the lead in this movie as Tiffany's yeah. character. We got Tank. We have. Oh my God, Tank! I didn't want to say his name. I didn't want to say oh. Tank's name. I was trying to avoid saying Tank's name because he looks great. His body looks. He's in shape. He takes his shirt off fifteen thousand times, ladies. <laughs> you know, fifteen thousand. At one time, he takes his shirt off. I'm going. I never look like that. Tank. I'm gonna tell you some. Tank is acting in here. Tank is acting. Tank is good. Tank is good. And you know, what's so funny. I was talking to Tank the other day, and he hasn't. <laughs> He hasn't seen the movie. A lot of times, you know, we get to see the movie, but, you know, before, obviously, as a producer, I do. But Tank uh, hadn't seen the movie. I said, Tank, you're going to hate you. You're going to hate you when you see you. I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm tell you he's ready oh. with that shirt. I don't know. I don't know, Sean, because when Tank shows up and meets Tiffany for the first time, <laughs> and uh, I went, boy, boy, that was some smooth moves he's laying on her right now. But it was, it was, uh, I would, I'll be honest with you, we're talking about lust. I'm talking to Sean Robinson. She's the executive producer on this new Lifetime series, uh, uh, seven, seven Deadly Sins. And the first episode that's going to air in the, in the movie series is called Lust. And we're going to go and talk in Envy in a minute. But I just, Carrie did an amazing job. I mean, the subtleties, you know, I, you know, I've been in this industry a long time. So I get to see subtleties. I get to say who can act, who can't act. I've been blessed to work with Oscar winners and Jamie Foxx and uh, Monique as Oscar winners. So I've been around hot with Steve Harvey, a lot of talent. You know my background. Yeah. I loved her subtleties. I love her ability. She has a great career as an actress. We know what yeah. she can do as a singer. Great career. Tank, when he came in as the uh, lust, as lust. He was amazing. He was yeah. he was subtle. He was uh, trouble. You knew he was trouble when he walked when he opened the front door. When he when he opened the front door, you know he was trouble. You he knew was he trouble. was trouble as soon as he got landed first frame of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you you knew it like okay, dude, you gonna bring this to your house? Yeah, that was, remember you was talking about people talking to the screen. That was me going, okay, dude, you gonna bring this to your house? Really? <laughs> Really, not knowing that your your wife is uh, in mental discussions about her life, is she with the right man, is she doing the right things in bed, and should I try other things, and all these things, which gives lust avenues to make you do wrong, because it can't it yeah. can't penetrate or it can't it can't crumble 
uh, stability. It can't crumble yeah. a, a, a positivity. And so that's why I love this this whole concept and this whole idea of developing this, a movie that shows you relatable. And I'm talking about this might be an all black cast, but the pro, the, but the but the projects are so relatable to anybody. Yes, the, the, it's universal. You know, it's it's you know the themes are universal. Um, you know, and that's what we wanted to accomplish. And that, you know, and as we're having these conversations about diversity and inclusion right. in Hollywood today, you know, we you, you don't have to cast black folk just when it's a black mood. Like our themes, we go through the same things that other people go through. Right. And so that's that's what I love um, is this. These themes are definitely universal. Anybody can relate to what Tiffany is going through. And that's what I really loved about it. And that's really what, what's kind of annoying, what, what people in general have pigeonholed African-American talent, producers, writers, directors, saying that only black people want to watch your projects. You know, and no, not at all. And we're seeing that on streaming platforms where popular projects are going number one. And they're all black cast, or the cast of predominantly yeah. And that's what I really loved about this particular series of movies that I saw back to back. Now, let's go to Envy. Envy okay. plays on because that's because the first one's more adult, which I thought was beautiful. Now you're taking on a young character lead in Envy, and this is a as this actress. I want to say her name Soraya, correct? That's correct. Soraya. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Soraya. She's, uh, yeah. She's she's fantastic. She is really great. And when I first saw her her reel, her audition reel. Um, I was like, gosh, you know, she's really, she really pops on screen. She's yes, she very does. fantastic. She was a, she was on power, just came off power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I were really lucky uh, to, to have found her um, or we're look, really lucky that she was available for this project because she just really brings it home. Um, and I, it's, uh, she, she's, she's really dynamic. Well, you know the thing, and I got to see a rough cut of that. You know, I, you know, I got to see it. So I still, but it was a beautiful presentation of what you guys are going to put on the main screen. I said rough cut. Some credits yes. were missing. That's all I'm saying. But everything was in place. And the thing about it, when I, I really got to see her act. You know, I saw on Empire and all that stuff. So I was familiar with her singing and her acting talents. But this was a rangy project. You know, and then you brought in Candace, Candy Burroughs, who I love from Real mm-hmm. Housewives. And then DC Youngfly was also yes. here playing a little meanie. He plays a little meanie, y'all. He's not telling <laughs> no jokes in here, but he's a little meanie. Little, he does. Little, he little does. underhanded he does. meanie. And then, of course, yeah. my boy Clifton Powell, he's in both movies. He's a both He can double checks. Young man, old man. Young man, old man. <laughs> Rashawn, do you remember when Clifton Powell was on um, Rock? Yes, yes, yes. Cliff, I'm going to tell you something. I, Clifton Powell, our relationship goes all the way back to 2000. See, so I, I met you and Clifton Powell about the same time. Because that's when we did the Steve Harvey Morning Show. That's when you and I yes. really connected in 2000. So Clifton yes. Powell, I met him. He used to come into the morning show. We used to meet, and I used to always admire his professionalism. His he did and was doing, always doing major roles and always becoming a star. I always felt he could be, and to, just to see him and because he plays a, a older character in Lust, and he plays a person more his age in Envy, and it's really uh, an important role to, to because that's the that's the 
the minister side of the movie that that you there's always a moment in each movie that you're in the church and you get to hear a message, yeah. but it's not a message that's beating you over the head. That's what I loved about this show. I know exactly what you're trying to do and you're accomplishing it, but you're not making me feel like I got to go pick up the Bible to understand that this is relatable <laughs> life. Right. <laughs> right. And I just love Clifton Powell so much. He brings a thousand percent uh, to work every single day. And I'm so glad that he is a part of the project. You know, Candy Burris, who is, she is like building her, her acting resume. And, you know, Rashawn, for me, um, I, as we were looking over the different actors and actresses Mm -hmm. for Lust and Envy, you know, as an executive producer, it's so wonderful for me to be able to be part of the decision-making process that can give uh, these actors these opportunities, um, you know, and help them maybe even reach their next goals. So I, that's what I, that's one of the things I really enjoy about being uh, a decision-maker, being an executive producer, because for me, it's about providing opportunities uh, to people who, uh, you know, listen, Hollywood is still a very tough place, a very, very tough place for, uh, you know, people of color. And to be able to help them along in their journey is so satisfying for me. I, you know, I've been there. I've been on the other side of casting people. When I look at my career, I look at the Gabriel Unions, the Kim Whitley's, yes. the Cannons. You know, so many actors I see there acting today, Wendy Raquel Robinson. And that's what you're talking about. You know, you're in a room and you are in a position to, that's why I love what Will Packer's doing. You know, he's a a game changer. And Sean, you're becoming a game changer. And, you know, the power really is behind that camera, you know, in that writer's room, in that director's, you know, talking to executives who come down and really only speak to you. Unless the actor or actress is powerful, they won't even speak to them. They only speak to the executive producers, the showrunners. They may talk to the writers if it's in a writer room format. But you'll get the primary notes. Bishop T.D. Jakes get the primary notes. And, and hearing that come from me, what did you realize about taking on a project like this? And, how, and I know it put a smile on your face when it, when it, when it, you know, you have two stages of the smile. First of all, she said yes to you optioning. Then Bishop T.D. Jakes called you, said you want to be in the project. Then you finally casting it. And now it's about the air and you're being interviewed nationally. I'm just one of many platforms that are interviewing you to promote this. Where are you at emotionally with this project? Well, you know, here's the thing. Um, When, when T.D. Jakes, when, when, uh, you know, T.D. Jakes and and, and Derek Williams called me and said, hey, do you have this project? Um, You know, that was definitely a, you know, a game changer for me because I had this project that was that I had shopped around town and that I owned. And then I was shopping around town and I had, um, you know, it could have been a different partner that I went with, Mm -hmm. but I felt that, you know, partnering with, 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 you know, Bishop Jakes, what an extraordinary producer he is. And not only that, um, but his brand is just right in line with this, this project. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, uh, one of the lessons was, you know, you want to, sometimes you just want to rush things and you want to just go with, you know, whatever offer is presented to you at first, but you really have to think about who you're going to be in business with and how you guys are going to gel. And does this partnership 
work for the good of the project. And I felt that this partnership definitely was perfect for this project. So um, that was, you know, when you talk about putting a smile on my face, uh, you know, having this partnership with him is extraordinary for me. And as I look at um, other projects that I'm doing and being careful about who I choose as a partner, it's, it's a, I think that's a lesson for, for all of us. Don't rush it. Be more intentional with your decisions. Well, you know, um, you've always been intentional. I know when we brought this project, I, the reason I just really enjoy talking about it, because I know there's always a journey and just to see the transformation in you. You know, when mm-hmm. I say this is a good thing, you know, you know, on LinkedIn, I just see I, I, I follow your motivation. I follow your stories. I follow you because you really personalize your life. You put your life out there and to yeah. see this as being a part of that story that you're now ready to tell. I think it's amazing. And I want to just say congratulations to you Thank and these you. two projects. You know, I want to talk about a couple of I'll bring you back on the show to talk about 90 Day Fiance and, <laughs> and your foundation. Sean. That like juggernaut but that, you know, it's uh do you know a 90 Day Fiance is, is seen in 168 countries and territories? Well, you know, that's how big that show well, is. Well, it was big in my house. It's big in my house. It's big in my office. It's big everywhere because I, I can't understand how people do this. And you sit up there interviewing these people like they normal people, though. That's what be getting me. You be, you be like, you act, you're interviewing these people like you're talking to Tom Hanks or somebody normal or some celebrity. And they be sitting up there like they got it going on. How do you sustain such credibility interviewing these people? Because you're wonderful. You got your hair right, makeup right. These people crazy. They crazy. Listen, here's, here's the flip side of that. <laughs> the show tells you how about the, when we talk about universal themes, the universal theme of wanting to be loved. Yes. Everyone can identify with that. Yes. And that is why the show is so popular. Yes. Because everybody can identify with how far do I go yes. to find love. So, yes. So I, as the host of the show. Yes. I have that empathy for everybody that I talk to. Well, you know, first of all, it, it's first of all, you're fantastic. And <laughs> it was just, just what I love about your life right now. You still with that allows you to stay in front of the camera. And then you have these upcoming projects on Lifetime. And it's going to be more. I'm just going to let you know uh, Lifetime has found something with this series. It's, 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 it's right in line. It's uh, female-centric. The storylines were fantastic. The you know, more breakout stars are being developed under your umbrella. You know, I, I see you. I'm just going to throw this little title on you. I, I see you about to do what Will Packer did several years ago. Oh, you're going to start. You. You're going to start doing it as well as what Ava DuVernay is doing. As so many other people, Shonda Rhimes is, is doing right now. You're going to put that hat on and run with it because what I saw in watching these two series was quality work, stories I want to share, stories I want to tell, family stories, stories that can change people's lives. That's key right there. Change people's yeah. lives and make their lives better. Fan, congratulations, yeah. Sean Robinson. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, from, from your mouth to God's ears, um, I hope that uh, it's wonder. New chapters are scary, Rashawn, as you know, mm-hmm. but they can be so fulfilling um, when you really like sit down, think about 
what it is you have to offer. A lot of times we get pigeonholed. We think that, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I can't do anything else. But then when you start to like look at, you know, you know, step out on faith, right. but also be prepared, educate yourself, gain more knowledge about a particular area, talk to people who are in those fields. You know, there are so many more opportunities that you can take advantage of. Well, I know that for a fact. Uh, when I stepped yeah. away from manager Steve Harvey, it was it was a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, because a lot of people only know you from what you did previously. A lot of people only yes. know you from what you did on Access Hollywood. And so that can pigeonhole right. you. And the relationships you have really don't allow you to move forward. But you're not only moving forward, you're running. You're running. In fact, you're driving forward in a very fancy car. It's called Lifetime. <laughs> Thank you, and you so keep much. Winning. I, I appreciate you that. for coming on. And I can, I'm sure I'm going to see these posts out there. Of course, I'm going to put it in my newsletter, put it in my social media. I'm going to tell everybody to watch it. More importantly, everybody's going to watch my podcast as well as hear my podcast. And thank you for coming on the show again. Okay. Can I ask you one favor, Michelle? Mm-hmm. Um, can you make me a sweet potato pie? Yes, I can. In fact, uh, you know, some. Uh, I'm going to text you a picture and I'm going to make you one. And in fact, I'm going to be out in LA in like three weeks and we're going to connect. Okay. okay? Uh, seriously. And I got an office down here in Atlanta. Yes. You, you just open up a can of worms. I am going to make you a sweet potato pie. In fact, when I make it, Sean, you'll be standing right next to me. Okay. Perfect. Deal. Deal, because I see those old <laughs> luscious desserts you making, and I'm like, I gotta have one of those. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna show you some stuff because, because you shot the movies down here in Atlanta, right? Did you shoot them in yes. Atlanta? Okay, yes. cool. When you come back down here for the next series, and you coming okay. back down here, I'm just gonna let you know you the movies are that good. Lust and envy are that good. When yeah. you come back down here, we're gonna Thank connect. You, I'm gonna bring you by the office. We're gonna eat. We're gonna talk and do some private conversations about the next. <laughs> put it on podcast. Do some stuff because I'm launching my own TV show called Rushan's Kitchen. So. Oh, it's a great. cooking oh, show. Oh, okay, great. So this is perfect timing. This is perfect. Great. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate All right, you. Okay. Bye. <laughs> we will be right back with more money-making conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. It's finally here, the season of celebration. And no matter how you celebrate with family and friends, whether you're preparing for Reyes Magos or Karamu, lighting the menorah, or going to midnight mass, Kohl's has just what you need to make those traditions special. Plus, you'll find gifts for all your loved ones. Send warm wishes with cozy fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. Or treat them to everyone's favorite activewear from top brands like Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide committed to the health and well-being of our communities. No matter how you celebrate, when you shop at Kohl's, you're right where you belong. So this season, give with all your heart with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you. Their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. 
Like when there are parched or windy conditions out there, you gotta be extra careful with things like burning yard waste. After all, wildfires can start anywhere, even in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversation. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads, the Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is Dr. John N. Singer. He is the Associate Professor of Sports Management and Associate Dean for Diversity and Inclusion in the College of Education and Human Development at Texas A&M. Dr. John N. Singer is about enriching and transforming lives through education. His book, Race, Sports, and Education, is about improving opportunities and outcomes for black male college athletes. It was just important for me to, to write about what I knew and what I was most passionate about at this moment in my, my career. I'm very hard on the system and, and my critique of it, but I'm also uh, cognizant of the fact that the individual has to step up and make it their education a priority in an activist pursuit. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who is genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest is what I call young success, Soraya. She's an actress, singer, dancer, and model known as the singer Tiana Brown that she portrayed on Lee Daniels' hit Fox TV series, Empire. Soraya is starring on the upcoming Lifetime original movie. She told me her first lead story role, Envy, a seven deadly sin story. But that's not all she's doing besides this new movie, Envy. Next up for Soraya, she's co-starring in the upcoming BET movie, Favorite Son, directed by the one and only Robin Givens, which is expected to be released this year. She has a new single coming out soon called Tell Me About Myself, featuring my boy Rick <laughs> Ross. Soraya was also just recently announced to join the Stars drama series. This girl busy. Who's managing her? Who's managing her? I want to manage her. She's doing everything. Join the, the Stars drama series Black Mafia Family, executive produced by the one and only 50 Cent. Not 25, 25, 50 Cent in a recurring role. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation. I tell you, she's a rising star. She's beautiful. She's fantastic. I just saw her in her starring role, Envy, a seven deadly sin story. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Soraya. Hi, thank you so much for having me. What an intro. Thank you. <laughs> hey, first of all, first of all, girl, does the word, okay, you know, I've been fortunate in this business, managing a lot of big talent, work with a lot of big talent, and I know when a resume starts to come together and you, and we all were shut down during the pandemic, and it all caught us off guard. How did you really handle the pandemic and then to be start, you know, putting yourself in the position where you got all these properties that are happening in 2021 and they will extend into 2022. Let's walk through that pandemic shutdown and then starting to come out of it, out of that pandemic funk. Yeah, so interesting. The pandemic hit us all and, you know, we were all unprepared and not ready for that one, um, especially not to be out of commission for nearly a year or more for some people. Um, Empire ended abruptly, uh, two episodes shy of finishing our sixth season, um, our sixth and final season. So it sent me home to L.A., um, much like the rest of the world, pretty much in shock. Um, and the year continued on 2020, as we know it, uh, just trying to figure out health and family and figure out what's, what's next. Thank God. Um, I, 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 I did like 
I don't know, a hundred self tape auditions throughout quarantine. And, and, you know, towards the end when things started opening back up is when I kind of broke through and, um, I landed my first lead role envy, which is the first thing I shot out of quarantine, uh, back in December or something like that. Um, so that was basically how it happened for me. Quarantine was very much of a test um, and a trial. <laughs> um, I learned a lot about myself and a lot about my family. It was a much needed break, though, because I was going for six seasons straight of Empire, which is like six years. Um, and it, it was definitely a much needed break that I needed for just to be still and, and be in the moment. But, you know, the amazing thing about because we all know Hollywood is and, you know, you can get on a series and you you start buy a new car and that might be the biggest mistake because it can get canceled. And to be on a series that, you know, <laughs> just, just I mean, it was a rocket ship launch for that series because it did something that never happened in the history of television. It, it grew every week. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so and you on that launching pad. Tell us how it affected you. It's all positive, but nobody, you know, you, you just get on the show. First of all, you get on the show happy to be working. First of all, let's get that out of the way. Happy to get to work and to pay some checks. And you wanted to keep working so you can build some momentum and put some money in the account and call yourself a working actor or actress. Talk about the, that whole beginning portion of the empire explosion. Well, for me, you're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. For me, starting Empire was very different. It was my first kind of TV role. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, it was just that so many first experiences dealing with empire and in, in the new fame, the newfound success around it, <laughs> obviously by the third, fourth episode, we were the leading numbers um, TV since I think they said since the Cosby show. Yes, yes. So <laughs> it was, it was huge all over the world, which, which also made it different because it was, you know, main TV Fox. So um, it was a lot of adjusting for me. I was 19 at the time and um, I was coming straight from college at that time. And I was, I was just, you know, taking the punches as they roll and, and learning so much and working so extremely hard on that show. I, a lot of my um, earlier performances on the show was, um, dancing dance big dance numbers and so i would rehearse you know 12 16 hours shoot for 16 to 18 hours while wearing heels while having to recite lines but it was it was boot camp for me um to be honest and i'm so grateful for the experience though because i know what hard work is and and how to make you know something as glamorous as empire um how to make that happen yeah, it's really wonderful because, like you said, uh, and co- coming from an African-American perspective, to see the explosion of color program, a brown color program, or African-American programming, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that you got to experience this awakening of Hollywood where you have options. And to be in a series on Lifetime, you know, is executive produced by Sean Robinson and Bishop T.D. Jakes or Lifetime. Starring role. Okay, now did now did did Empire prepare you for the starring role, Soraya? Um, Empire definitely did. I mm-hmm. would say I would give thanks to Empire for so many so many growth spurts in my uh, career. Um, definitely, I've had a lot of training. Um, I've, I've I'm always one to get better at my craft. So on my off time, I was 
taking acting classes actually by Tasha Smith at her acting school in, in LA. She's also was on Empire. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I love her. I adore her. Um, but I was always, I'm always looking to get better at everything I do. So that was something that I self-invested in on my off time to make sure that when I got any other type of role, I would be ready for it. And I know how to attack it, you know, head first. Um, for me, it was it was more of a, a destiny thing, uh-huh. how I ended up on Empire. <laughs> so I didn't go to acting school, uh, but I, I definitely invested myself into time into doing that on my off time. Okay, now, okay, now, so you, you told me some information. You said, Rashawn, it was a destiny thing about Empire. I didn't go to acting school, but you left out. So how did you get the role? Yes, so... Basically, what happened is I was I had just enrolled into college. Um, uh, I was going to a, a community college in, mm-hmm. in L.A. Mm-hmm. And my one of my good friends called me and I was doing some modeling uh, at that time, some print work. I just did not have a theatrical agent at the time, uh, which a theatrical agent helps you get roles in on TV and in, in, uh, word speaking characters and things like that so um my friend called me and he's he's kin of lee daniels and he said you know my uncle who was lee daniels <laughs> i didn't know this stop that uh, right there stop that this is this is getting out of hand okay so the, the he's kin to it you, you know some country talk you know that right he's kin to lee daniels i didn't know lee daniels <laughs> You know, all Lee Daniels at that point, you know, Oscar, all this stuff. This is Lee Daniels, Lee Daniels. And so your little 19-year-old behind at community college can sing, dance, look beautiful. Continue with your story. I'm just setting it all up. Where is it? Where is this no, going? yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, and so he told me, you know, he's like, you know, they've been looking for this character. They've been auditioning, you know, they've auditioned all over the world at this point for, for the whole cast of Empire. Um and um, they haven't found their girl. And I said, well, of course I would love to audition. You know, I sent him all of my stuff and he sent it to the people, the powers that be. Um, and they said, yeah, let's see her. She has a great look. And um, I auditioned about two or three times. And we got a call from Lee Daniels saying she, we love her. She's perfect. She has to audition for Fox. Um, so I auditioned for Fox. I went to Fox Network in Beverly Hills. And I auditioned there, and I got the role, and they shipped me sh- to Chicago. First, first flight <laughs> out of there. Now, <laughs> Chicago, one of my favorite cities, by the way. So you go and you you're in great stomping grounds. Of course, the winter, you learn some things about Chicago. In the winter time, you better right. learn, you better learn how to dress in Chicago for winter because it's not like any other winter. L.A. girl, you learned that right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, learned my lesson. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> now, here's the beauty of this conversation, because you told me earlier you're taking acting classes now with Tasha Smith. So I meant that when you was auditioning, all that was natural, correct? Yeah, yes, okay. absolutely. Okay, now let's let's talk about confidence. What 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 allowed you because I can't act. I'm gonna just be honest with you. I can't act. I can do stand-up comedy, I can motivate you, I can interview you, but put a script in front of me, I fall mm-hmm. apart. What, what, what natural skill that you have allowed you to get to that audition? Because you have to have confidence because they kept asking you to come back. 
So you had no background on how do I do I change up? Do I get louder? What do I do? Were you were, were you talking to anybody in between the auditions, Soraya, or what? No, 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 no. At the time, it was me and my mom. She stayed up with me going over lines, and we just kind of took it to the approach that we think, you know, it was pretty straightforward um, that we think it should have. And, and it worked the first time. So we're like, let's do the same thing. Um, I just made sure I was off book. Obviously, that that means that I memorized everything. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I went in there the second time. And we, and we had to, because it's a music show, we had to sing and okay. I had to sing rap and recite lines okay cool so. good because you, you got me killing i can't rap i can't sing so your boy's already out you know i'm already out okay <laughs> it was it was very nerve-wracking but but i got through it and and i think um well obviously right they, they loved it and you know what was really cool that you brought up i'm sorry not to go off topic too much but um you brought up about african-americans and it was really dope that uh, the character, I just came as myself. And at this time I had big, my big curly hair and that's just how my hair is. It was my whole life. And, um, that made such a huge impact that I had no idea what that would on TV. Cause I didn't realize that so many African-American actresses didn't wear their natural hair on TV. I didn't know that. And so when I appeared with my big Afro on Fox network, um, <laughs> It was, it, I have so many young black girls and, and so many uh, natural uh, community and natural uh, companies for hair that reached out to me. And I, I, it, was, it was really awesome to um, have an impact on, on people in that way. Here's the funny part about it. A lot of people thought it wasn't real. I'm sure, right? I know. <laughs> because that wasn't that's not normal. That's not normal, you know. But if you've been your hair would been straight, oh that's our hair. That's a, oh she's wearing a wig. That's not our hair. That's not our hair. And that's why, you right. know, when watching the series and watching you grow, because it's really interesting when I watch young talent like you, because you're special. Believe me, you're special. You're gifted. And but I want to ask this other question before we move to the series and talk about envy, a seven deadly sins. Because I want to talk about learning your audition as a natural actress, natural instincts, and followed your gut along with your mom, natural instincts. Mm-hmm. Then you got on the series, and then you went to Tasha Smith. What did you learn from her classes that enabled you to improve as an actress and prepare you for a lead series like that you're doing in Envy that's airing on Lifetime? Oh my gosh, so much. I learned um, technique. I learned different exercises and ways to get into the character quicker, especially for auditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned, she, she brought me out of my shell. Um, Tasha brought me out of my shell for sure. Uh, I learned how to just let go and be free in the moment. And that's something that, that Taraji and Terrence actually told me as well. Um, but to be able to put it on its feet and really do it yourself is, is, is where you learn, okay, I can do this. And when you have confidence that, you know, you can do it. And I had a breakthrough, um, class one time and, and, and it was went really, really well. And from then on, I said, okay, like I can, I can, I can tackle anything, any role that comes my way. And, and, and quarantine really strengthened me um, because I auditioned so much. I, mm-hmm. I sent in so many self tapes, mm-hmm. so many self tapes. And believe me, self tapes can be um, not always uh, 
the best thing to do because you don't know. You because you you're looking at first of all, right. you have no makeup on. You don't know you dressed in average. So really, I, I always call self tapes like doing stuff in black and white because I always tell people the black and white era before they had color and explosion and blood. You really had to act on black and white movies of black yeah, and white absolutely footage. and those are my favorite to watch yeah and so <laughs> sending self-tape footage is like you really better be able to act when they send it because they, 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 there's nobody behind. usually it's just a blank wall behind you because you want to keep it clean and you just yep. read the lines and you're delivering so bravo bravo now let's talk about this series well you know well you know you stepped up your game Soraya you know what I'm saying Keisha Jones That's, I, <laughs> I, I got the name right Keisha Jones right this is, yes. this is the Keisha Jones story the Keisha Jones story mm-hmm. little sad little girl tell us about the Keisha Keisha Jones and the message of envy. Mm-hmm. Yes. So envy, we all have dealt with that. I'm sure at some point in our lives, jealousy and envy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Keisha has come from a lot of loss in her life. Right. And a lot of struggle and a lot of absence and a lot of longing for something she doesn't have. So she, she, her mom dies and then she finds her estranged father that she never knew. And the other thing that she finds when she finds her father is how successful he is and that she has a sister. She didn't know this part, you know, of her life. And, um, uh, envy comes with that because we're talking about a girl that sleeps in her car and, and, and goes to work and take, takes bird baths and goes to work. Mm-hmm. And then she, she learns of her dad and her sister and they live in a mansion and they drive a nice car and they have a very respectful, beautiful, loving relationship with each other. And she envies this so much so to where she does things that are out of her character. Um, I really love that this is a T.D. Jakes production. There's some faith in there that is really cool. It's not overbearing, but it's definitely a streamline in the movie where, um, you know, Keisha has some, some, she, she's issues. dealing with some faith issues, issues. With, with her relationship with God. And we see her redemption at the end. And so I'm super well, you know, the thing about it, for people to see this. I just want to, Soraya, let me just talk about you and this character development, because see, I, I don't want everybody, I don't want to gloss over the, the, the character changes you have to make, the emotional changes, because it is a it's a faith based movie with all not heavy faith. I would put it like that. It's not heavy right. faith, but it's about envy, and we all deal with it. And your character is about, you know, being shown an opportunity and how you deal with it. You have DC Youngfly, you know, he's on. He's like he's like the, the he's like that little negative spirit. I always tell people I talk about negative spirits and positive spirits. You know, you have right. your your newfound father Elijah. His character, he's your positive spirit, and then you have DC Youngfly. He's your negative spirit that's on your shoulder, and your father keeps trying to let you know that there's a sense of reality and trying to get you to buy into it. But then you have DC Youngfly telling you stick to the stick to the plan, stick to the plan, because as we watch you drift through the movie, you start you you start going back and forth. Should you do this? Should you come over to your father's side, who is Elijah's side of the world, or you should you stick to the original plan? That's what DC CC Youngfly is talking about. So talk about that because I thought that was key in me buying into your your strong acting, as well as me staying with the movie, because I know that was a hard role to be able to deliver. And also, you had to play a, a, an evil spirit, a cunning person. 
So you you had a lot of things going on there. You know, you played the little, you played the 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 attractive person. You played the young sister. You played the 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 the, the mom who had lost a child. It was a lot of levels. How was you able to pull all those things off? So I don't want people to I don't want people to think that you're doing Empire Two. You're not. You're doing a really deeply uh, thought out role that it gives you a lot of different levels and all of them you play effectively. I really appreciate that. Um, One, because I always said anything I do after Empire, I want it to be groundbreaking in the way of people's perspective of me and and in showing real acting chops so i really appreciate that um and that's what i really loved about this character that she was she had so many layers and she was so flawed um which which i enjoy because that's real right we all are so flawed and we have so many layers and trauma that we've been through um so for each segment of the movie i kind of broke it down Um, and I was able to connect myself to those moments with real things that I've been through, um, and, and, and having empathy for her and not playing her. So, um, like too vindictive, I feel like there is moments, like you said, where she was starting to believe like, Hey, I can't have this life with my dad and and maybe they do want me around and Mm -hmm. and maybe I am accepted and they love me. And then she has these moments where she feels a little rejected and she calls, you know, she calls DC young flies character (laughs) and and then she puts her back on the road. (laughs) So I think think there's there's an extreme polarity to her and, in this movie. And that's what makes it so interesting to me is because you're seeing this girl go through all of these emotions and, but you also can relate to her. Um, and by the end, she does get her redemption and you don't, I hope don't, 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 don't give it too much. Don't give it too much. Come on, come on. So don't give them too much. They need to watch this because, because, you know, I, I enjoy, first of all, I'm enjoying the interview talking to you because I love talking to young talent and because there's such a future ahead of you and we don't know what the future is, but you are a hard worker. And if you stay true to the course and you have a, you know, you've you brought up your mom several times. So you have a foundation to fall back on and you have faith. And this movie is about faith. It, it allows you. And it's also a movie that is a, uh, uh, all African-American cast, but it's relatable to anybody. I don't care if you're black, brown, white. You can reach Absolutely. into this movie and realize you see that character. Keisha Jones could be Lisa Lisa Epstein, okay? That, that's <laughs> because they, we all have those parts in our lives that allow us to be disenfranchised. And how do we react when the opportunity is given to us? And that's what stood out for me in this role, and that's what you was able to do. And... When, when I look at you now, and there's a, it's a high level of innocence that you show in this interview, and that's that, I, I think that allows you to do what you do. Because when I, when I look at people, and I've been fortunate to cast a lot of people from Nick Cannon to, to Kim Whitley to Gabrielle Union and Taraji P. Henson, you know, Terrence Howard, I know all these people. And, and you're coming from a body of work where you had kind of like a master class working with these two people because their styles are different. <laughs> But that that Taraji P. Henson, she no joke. Now, if you if you want to come on a series now and learn something about acting, come on now, tell everybody that about Taraji P. Henson now, Soraya. 
Taraji is a force to be reckoned with. Um, I watched her and Terrence many days when I was wrapped from work. And I said, can I just stay and please just watch them do this scene? Because they are so amazing and together so amazing, but so interesting separately in in her and uh, Terrence are just genius and you know what it is to me it's just they're fearless and they attack each moment like that so they're definitely my two um forever will be my two go-tos in my head in the back of my mind where i'll I'll listen to them telling me just go for it just go for it let it go Mm -hmm. well great well i want to wrap talking about a couple of projects that you have coming up favorite sons directed favorite son excuse me directed by robin givens and also black mafia i know you can't tell us anything about that the 50 cents movie you track us down beat us up but let's talk about favorite son and uh, what, what what role you play in that and also black mafia family Oh, and favorite son, super excited because Robert Robin Givens directed this and she's like one of my favorites. <laughs> um, so I, I play um, a girlfriend and a choir member to the church, um, a girlfriend to one of the, the pastor's sons. Um, and she also is a very layered character, which is awesome because she goes through something in faith with her faith as well, but more in the church. Because I feel like a lot of people in church, um, they're trying to put the best foot forward as they should. And and they're trying to live their life right now. That doesn't exempt them from life like the rest of us. So I think the character that I play on that that movie um, is a testament to that. And it's a testament to not judge each other so crucially Mm -hmm. and to understand that, that life still happens to you. So there's some there's some twists and turns in there. With my character, once again, um, you might you might love her, you might hate her. Uh, <laughs> well, that's all but, right. it's, but it's super dope. I play opposite of Jonathan McReynolds and Rotimi. Um, Mr. Power, and, Mr. Power, or Mr. Power, Mr. Power, uh, and he's amazing. And so I'm I'm so grateful to have shared this screen with them as well. And that's gospel um, singer. And, Yes. And then in in the BMF story, I play the baby mother to uh, Meech, which is one of the Flannery brothers Mm -hmm. um, and one of the main the main the main guys who who made it all happen. Um, So, uh, yeah. Well, well. First of all, I know you can't tell too much about that, you know, because is is is. But you've told me enough to know. First of all, you're fantastic. April seventeenth, we'll be looking at your lifetime, starring in the role Envy. Also, you have a project coming out, directed by Robin Givens, called Favorite Son, and we're going to see you in the Black Mafia family, if you call it BMF. You know, one of those big fifty cents projects. Again, thank you for coming on the show. And now you have a new single. When does the single drop? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, the single is going to drop in a couple months. I don't have a hard date, but mm-hmm. I will definitely let you guys know. Uh, but definitely be on the lookout for that one because I'm so excited and everyone loves it when they hear it. it's perfect for the summertime. Well, you, you're awesome. And uh, keep winning and tell your mom hi. No, I don't know her, but definitely when you, you, you have all the uh, qualities <laughs> of, a, of a great daughter. And uh, I feel fortunate <laughs> to interview you. You're special and keep winning. Okay. Thank you so much. In the time before AT&T Fiber Internet. 
What? What are you doing in me dungeon? It's the only place where the bloody Wi-Fi works. Oh, and you don't mind the spiders? Spiders? What spiders? Oh, no, they're everywhere! In the time after AT&T Fiber Internet. It's nice having fast, reliable Wi-Fi in the whole house. For sure. The dawn of a better internet era with AT&T Fiber. Limited availability in select areas. Check eligibility at att.com slash getfiber. AT&T smart Wi-Fi extenders may be required. Sold separately. Restrictions apply. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination. Our sense of wonder. And our family bonds grow, too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination. Our sense of wonder. And our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. My next guest are the Ghost Brothers. Hear me now? The Ghost Brothers. Dalen Spratt, Jawan Mass, Marcus Harvey. The Ghost Brothers are the first and only African-American paranormal investigative team on TV. That is not right there, you know. Right there. Okay, we always know that the black people always die first in horror movies, okay? They breaking that. They breaking that mold. They ain't dying. They go in and come out. The Ghost Brothers seamlessly playing comedy with a refreshingly straightforward approach to the paranormal in their own new series, Lights Out. Venturing across the country in different hot spots. Dalen and Jawan, there's a little background about the HBCU background about these brothers here. Dalen and Jawan met while attending Clark Atlanta University, and Marcus was a barber at Clark Atlanta University. That's how they all came together. Now, in 2011, they all had this idea, thinking not the typical, they weren't thinking about rap music, they weren't thinking about act, they thought about the paranormal, ghosts. And they seeked it out, and they got discovered. So please welcome to Money Making Conversation. They are the Ghost Brothers. Dalen Spratt, Juwan Mass, and Marcus Harvey. Welcome, brothers. Man, what's creepy. going on? And not to not to cut you off, but uh, we did try rapping first. We definitely <laughs> did. Yes, uh, I was called Big Drip. Uh, hey man, and hey man. Was, uh, see, I'm just telling you something. See, see, y'all not gonna tell nobody. It was rap first. Now, no, 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 no. Definitely rap. Y'all not gonna tell people. And I was not Cinderella. Don't get it twisted. Okay, cool. Okay, I was the real part of the group. Come on now. That was a failed venture. What you don't do on my show, man? This money made conversation talk about failed ventures now y'all wasn't rapping all i know is the success of what y'all doing now your hbcu graduates uh attendees you have the hbcu experience and we all know that for some reason the world has discovered hbcu especially in 2020 with that revelation you know that pride i just interviewed my man uh, kenny leon and also cau graduate and there's so many more what type of pride and number, each one of you can respond to this individual? Because I want to get each one of your response about the HBCU experience and also what it has meant to your life moving forward. Yeah, I know for me, Dalen, uh, 
HBC, the HBCU experience literally changed my life. So when I graduated high school, shoot, Clark was the only college <laughs> that was like willing to listen to me. And uh, they actually gave me a scholarship, man. So they not only provided me a way to get to college, it shaped and manufactured my life because I was able to move to Atlanta from Dallas, Texas and see a whole bunch of people that look like me, my same age, making entrepreneurial moves. So up until then, I'm looking at trying to get a job. But then when I get to college, I see people 18, 19 years old with their own clothing line, uh, starting their own record label, promotion company, uh, just all types of companies started by young minorities. And that's inspired my whole entrepreneurial spirit. And that's when you try to do rap. That's when I tried to rap. I tried to to get back. Full circle. It's the origin story. (laughs) Party promoting. It was one of the two. (laughs) Uh, Man, HBCU experience was something that was just always ingrained in me. Uh, My mother went to an HBCU. uh, And so I was able to always go back to campus with her. And that's where I finally saw like this family culture at these historically black colleges and universities. Uh, I went and went and saw, went and visited Clark Atlanta University, and, like, I was convinced at that point. Like, I got to Clark, and like Dalen said, you see a bunch of uh, like-minded individuals, and you see people that look like you, and you're, uh, and you're like, blown away by, like, this higher um, institution of education, and you're like, this is, this, and it feels like home. Like, it's not overly, it's not too big. Like, you can still have a personal connection with the, with the staff. Um, and like you can still get this this education, but it's empowering blacks to to strive for excellence. And I think that's what like really captivated me about the that university, Clark Atlanta specifically. Cool. Uh Marcus, tell me about your experience. So my brother actually uh attended and graduated from Morehouse College and um I actually wanted to go to Morehouse and um I actually didn't get accepted. That's all right, because now <laughs> that means that I'm a free agent to get an honorary degree from any HBCU that I want now that we are a success in a historically black situation, you know, with us being the Ghost Brothers, the first paranormal, you know, investigation team out there. I think that any any HBCU wants to get me now. But uh, the way that I met my bros is uh, actually, you know, I, I still was connected to the campus. Uh, I, I was uh, affiliated with the AUC Gospel Choir and I used to start cutting hair and um, I actually started cutting uh, Dalen's hair and then, you know, eventually started meeting Juwan and then it just, the rest is history. Okay. So you could, so you're a barber by trade, I'm assuming, right? Yes, sir. Yes, they, sir. Cele- they say a celebrity barber though. What is a, what is an unknown barber versus a celebrity barber, Marcus? Please explain that to my listeners and viewers. Well, for me, well, for me specifically, <laughs> I'm a celebrity who is a barber. Oh. I don't know about other celebrity barbers because they're not famous. I mean, I'm famous for hunting ghosts and I cut hair. So celebrity barber, you know, but uh, no, more, more so more so than not. My uh, clientele is just filled with a whole bunch of celebrities from Nas, Grand Hill, Chris Webber, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, LeBron. Um, I've cut on television shows. Uh, Dalen Spratt, Jawan, Jawan Mass. There you go. There, Those there you two, go. There you, go. you keep, know, keep it local. Uh, keep it local. Keep it local. Keep it people. Keep people that you see on a regular basis because you don't see LeBron and Steph Curry on regular. Yeah. Keep to the famous trio that you roll with. Yeah. Now let's. This, these guys, you see us on the episode. You see how fresh these boys be. That's because me. I'm oh, okay. the only one. Woofing. Okay. They always okay. fresh. I'm just woofing. 
That, that's really important because I can't cut hair. I, I remember when I pledged because I know uh, we got a couple of, I'm a Mega Sci Fi member, proud member of that, as you guys are proud members of Cap Apple Sci. You got you the know? right year. We all good. We all good now because <laughs> I remember my frat brothers tried to get me to cut hair. That was about, and I messed up the line. And you know, if you mess up a line on a brother uh, as so, you pledging, that uh, wasn't a good night uh, for this young brother as a pledgee. So I respect you, Marcus. More than you would ever know. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, I you got skills because the mustache. That's that Scotty from the Whispers mustache. So I know you got strong, brother. I know you got a good hand. <laughs> I love it. Now let's talk about the series. Okay, Ghost Brothers. Now, how did this idea of paranormal, paranormal um, seekers or, or trying to find ghosts, how did that pop into you guys' mind and how did it become part of the process? Because I read it started on YouTube. Yeah. So uh, me and Jawan was actually roommates at the time. And I tell people all the time, man, you got to think outside the box. If everybody's doing something, then you need to turn the other way. And so I literally woke up one night about three o'clock in the morning and one of the ghost hunting shows was just randomly on TV. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, Damn, I don't never see any representation of myself on any one of these shows. Right. Why is it only white folks hunting ghosts? I mean, every race, religion, creed, culture dies. It ain't just white folks. So what happens to us <laughs> when right. we pass away? Mm -hmm. And uh, I grew up in the church. My mom was a pastor and I've always been taught, man, you know, you don't play with the church. You don't play with ghosts. You don't play with any of that. Like it's either God and angels and everything else is the devil. <laughs> right, 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 right. And yeah. Yeah. And so literally I ran into Jawan's room, man, at three in the morning was like, bro, I feel like we need to hunt ghosts. Okay. That Jawan, let's stop right there. That's right there. Right there, Jawan. Roommate's room. <laughs> let Jawan, he run into your mind, into your room talking about ghost hunting. Now you knew he wasn't thinking straight at that point. Well, when did it really become a reality check for you that this could be a good idea? Honestly, just overnight, like I literally kicked him out of my room, went back to sleep, woke up the next morning and was like, and it was still on my mind. I was like, bro, we got to do this. And we when you say we got to do that, because I got a duo and uh, Marcus, you know, the celebrity barber before he was a celebrity barber. He was just a sidekick barber. How did y'all get him in the loop now? You know, because he's comedy relief when I watch the show, you know. Yeah. So I've been knowing Marcus for years. Like I said he was cutting everybody's hair and just knowing his personality. Marcus was doing stand up comedy around the time. And he was just a really, really funny guy. And I just knew that going into this, you know, going into television, <laughs> you got to have that breath of fresh air. And uh, Marcus was the perfect candidate. And the fact that he had no background in paranormal stuff, just like we did, it was just the perfect storm <laughs> to right. create Ghost Brother. Now, let's, let's talk about this, Marcus. You know, okay, again, you, you cut their hair. Okay, crazy ideas are crazy ideas, are over-the-top ideas, are over-the-top ideas. Was it much convincing you to roll with the brothers into this for paranormal ghost hunting world? Not necessarily, because, I mean, this, okay, this is two-part No, because I know every idea that Damon and Juwan come up with is typically successful, because mm -hmm. we are kind of like, the success cluster part to us getting on with um you know discovery um so we were always always like you know kind of collabing with ideas you know prior to this uh this project so i knew the idea was good but then like you said before you know black folks the only ghost that i was really comfortable with was the holy ghost because we don't really you know deal with the mother ghost you know what i'm saying so that's the only ghost that i was really prepared for right and 
And as and that was the only like hesitancy that I had. Like I didn't want to do any demonic things. We we were assured that we wouldn't, and, and we just kind of kept it paranormal. So, you know, since then, you know, it's kind of stretched out a little bit more and more. You know, they keep getting me out there further and further on that diving board. I'm like, yeah, just jump. And I'm like, hey, bro, chill out, man. I'm still cutting hair. I don't know. I ain't trying to bring that over to nobody. <laughs> Say, Marcus, let me ask you this, Marcus. I don't know if you remember this first conversation we had, man. I remember exactly where I was. And you told me, you was like, man, I don't know, man, because I don't know if I want to be known as a ghost hunter, man. Like, Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, bro, what is that going to look like? You know, right, right. Um, you know, ghost, ghost hunting brother dude over there. I'm like, man, you know, yeah. We, we didn't know. We At the beginning, we didn't know if this show was going to be like either, you know, and, and we're talking with CAU. We didn't know that we're going to another network. You know, we don't know if they're going to try to play us like we some on some like huck a buck type stuff. And right. we ain't trying to be on that type of, you know, situation. If we're going to have, if we're going to be portrayed in the correct light. So I was massively hesitant. Like, I mean, and there was even a, another show that kind of was like mirrored us that kind of went a little bit more on that direction. That was just like, you know, outside of the way of like just a natural feel of like just curiosity for the paranormal and was more so looking at it like a joke. So when I saw that when, when Dalen and Juwan approached me with the idea, yes, it, it was, it sounded brilliant because one, like I've noticed that anytime there's a market that's wide open, we're able to set the market. Right. as the only one in that thing. So it was just brilliant in the sense that there was nobody, there was no competing, you know, um, brands. We were able to set the market. We were able to set our own way and um, just be able to be um, moved into a, like a dope little situation that we have now with spinoffs. Well, here's the thing about it. I'm going to just tell you guys from a professional standpoint, because I've watched the show and I watched the semi-screeners of the upcoming season, Lights Out. I enjoy it. Can't nobody do what you guys do. Okay, nobody, don't even worry about somebody trying to emulate because each one of your characters are unique and they have credibility to it. And like you said, you know, you're not running around there going, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, Lord, look what I'm there, you know, bugging your eyes out like, you know, buckwheat when back in the 20s and 30s. Y'all not doing that. You know, you guys are, 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 you know, you did jump in that bathtub, though. You got in that bathtub, though, you know, with the water. You were floating. You were floating there, Mark. You were floating there. But uh, but the good thing about it is, like, each one of y'all, it's, it's a cool setup. And the way the series works is, you know, Dalen, you like the you like the instigator. You know, you lead your brothers in in a blind situation. A blind situation, and 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 Jawan, you know, he always like a go ahead, a go getter, and then Marcus, he always hesitant. But like Jawan, your character is like, let's go see what's going on. Marcus is like, I don't know, I really don't know. But then come on, and then Dalen, I'm waiting the truck and check y'all out. Jawan, you the you the go getter. What made you buy into that character? Because people go, because you the one that everybody would call a fool. He a fool. He a fool. Why he going in there? He know it's something bad going on in there. Because, you know, black people talk to their TVs. Black people talk to the movie screens. So, Juwan, talk about buying into that character. Because I, I know crazy man, Marcus, he got a Black Lives Matter going into a jail. I know where he's coming from. Talk about your character, Juwan. Righteous brother. Righteous brother. <laughs> <laughs> my character is not really a character, more so just a reflection of, like, my character in real life. And it's just about loyalty. Um, and I'm here to have my brothers back in any, in any situation that I can. With this ghost stuff, um, you're just seeing me being as courageous as possible, but I'm terrified. <laughs> I am terrified, brother. 
Are you really? Are you really afraid? Uh, because you always show up at night now, you know, which is always uh, like, okay, brothers, okay, you can go by. There is a daytime period, but you go in at night, and so you arrive. And so, Dalen, you do a great job of setting the danger tone, what they're walking into. Because again, you guys really don't know what you're walking into, Marcus and Juwan. You really don't know. No, no, no clue at all. No clue. Matter of fact, that was a point of contention um, in this production. You know, just kind of, we've, we've answered these a million times questions or whatnot, but like this is something a little bit different. Like it was like, cause we've done this before in many different shows and we know how to like investigate, you know what I'm saying? But this production crew was just, you know, like, yo, let's trust us in this situation. Right. And see about, and see about, um, you know, letting Dalen just throw you guys in there blind and, you know, Typically, we like me, Dalen, and Jawan. We are very like interactive when it comes to ideas, when it comes to um, investigating styles, when it comes to like you know how we're gonna like you know provoke whatever we need to provoke to kind of get any type of response. And this was just a totally different show because like you know Dalen was just one. He don't even know how to read a map, so just to have somebody <laughs> send you somewhere who holding the map upside down and talking about go left, I mean right. Left, right. Come on, dog. Let's do And then Juwan, you know, like you said, Juwan makes me have to get cr- courageous because, like, I ain't playing that stuff. No, you're and Juwan's like, all right, man, let's go. And I'm like, dang, bro, I can't look like no punk in front of Juwan and Dalen out there cold. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, like you said, Juwan actually be pulling us to do the to oh, just, more. Uh, Juwan's, he, he's the one I go, okay, really do. Really do. You know, yeah. black people get killed in I horror movies. Black people do I get do killed too. in horror movies. Now, Dalen, let's go back to your character. You know, Mr. Stay in the Truck. Mr. Stay yeah. in the truck uh, and reveal us the dangerous situation that they may be walking into. So ultimately, they have to trust you because you know the setup from a standpoint of what they can be walking into. So you have to protect them from any silly pitches. You know, let's have some water hit them or, or some or, or some or trap doors. Does that come up in conversation? You go, no, they're not going to do that. How much involved with you with the pre-production of what they're walking into, Dalen? Uh, we're really, really hands-on from the beginning. Because, I mean, I think everybody that works with us knows where we stand and where we draw the line. So mm-hmm. before we even started Ghost Brothers, we were people at home watching these shows, wondering if this stuff was really real. And we always said that we ever were blessed with the opportunity, but we don't want to fake anything. Like, we want to make sure whatever's happening is real-time happening. So we make sure with the production company that we're not for, you know, don't be trying to prank Juwan and Marcus. Don't be trying to make things happen to get reactions from them. That's not what we're here for. And we'll walk off if something like that ever happens. So, or swing. Or swing. Or swing. <laughs> so my, my job is really just to make sure that, the, that my guys are safe on the inside. You know what I'm saying? They got to trust me. You know what I'm saying? That my fingers are ready to call 911 if things get a little bit <laughs> but, but, you, but you know what he said, Jawan and, and Marcus? He's, he's ready to call. He didn't say oh, yeah. run in. He yeah. didn't say yeah. run in. in he said, in see, right now, right now, y'all got to watch him now, okay? He told y'all exactly. Uh, my, my, my brothers are being eaten by a ghost. Uh, come soon. Uh, let me explain what's going on he didn't say I'm running in with a fire extinguisher I'm running in with a gun I'm running in with more white people to save y'all I'm a call like like that little white dude in the episode get out get out 
Get out now! <laughs> wow. You know, let's let's go back to this whole scenario. Because you guys are three visionaries. I'm going to just put it out there like that. Because, like I said, you trusted your natural instincts. In 2011, you know, you guys started to hunt goats. Because, and the reason I'm saying that, because right now you got uh, Discovery calling people, letting them know y'all coming. So there's a degree of respect and authority that's tied to that. In the early days... Y'all were just black dudes coming in with an idea. How did y'all develop that idea and also develop credibility with your early ghost hunting? So uh, it's funny. All three of us actually worked behind the scenes in television before we got in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. So we all started from the bottom. I'm talking about PAs, production assistants, running, getting water, clothes, all that type of stuff. So we had a respect for television and a work ethic from day one. So we were watching how television shows were being made on a day-to-day basis. So when the idea came around, we already had the vision of how to get it done, but we didn't know how we were going to get it out. And it's funny you say that because once we finished, we had this finished sizzle reel of black guys hunting ghosts. We started taking meetings. And back then, we kept getting the same two responses. Uh, Black people don't hunt ghosts. So where y'all going to put the show at? BET? Nah, we'll pass. Right. Uh, black people don't hunt ghosts, so white people ain't gonna want to watch y'all. So where y'all gonna put y'all? A and E? Nah, we'll pass. So we just kept getting passed and passed and passed. And it wasn't until about 2015, 16. I don't know if you're familiar or remember the campaign Oscars So White. Right. So that's when the media, where they were saying there were not enough minority television shows getting recognition in mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And we were just fortunate enough to be ushered along in that window with shows like Blackish. Shows like Fresh Off the Boat. So all these minority-led driven shows, we God just blessed us to kind of just cinch on in through that window <laughs> with Ghost Brothers. <laughs> and man, it's been a hit ever since. But to, but to, let me just, let me not. You didn't just sneak in. You guys are talented, man. And like, oh I, yeah, for you know, sure. But see, okay. that's the thing with black folks, man. We gotta always get in the door a different way, just to but, but, prove but, but, to show But let me just tell you this. Let me slow you down. Or more talented than the counterpart. Let me just slow you down, Dalen, because everybody got to get in. Okay, everybody got to get in. And that's just, that's why I want to just say, hear my compliment to you, all three of you guys. You cannot be replicated. You cannot be duplicated. Okay. You guys are smart on screen. You smart off camera. Okay. I see there's a storyline. Like I was telling Marcus earlier prior to the interview is that there's always a wrap up, a wrap up tied to logic. And so, so it's not like, you know, it might, you know, the concept sounds kind of like, Oh, black guys hunting ghosts, you know. But then you go through the process. You got the equipment, and and then you and then you, you develop the scenarios. You set the storyline in place because all your storylines that you set up that they're walking into, I'm worried about these brothers. I am yeah. actually worried about these brothers because you said right. some crazy stuff. He should be. He should be. Uh, uh, he, you know what I'm saying? And then I ain't gonna tell. Watch the episode. I'm not gonna tell y'all nothing about the storylines. All I know is that Dalen need his behind whoop. Let his boys walk into these environments, I'm, I'm, and he and he said, "What you the first person see dude, now? Listen, bro, dude, dude, dude. Uh, hey, hey, he need his butt whoop because he y'all he said bye bye. I will sit and, and wait out here, you know, in the truck or the van or another somewhere comfortable, somewhere comfortable. In the, in the probably, air conditioning, you're in right, the air probably conditioning. around some white people eating. That's what they do. You probably eating. Okay, y'all in this in this haunted. Now, 
There was one time though. There was one time <laughs> where he was outside at the lighthouse, uh-huh. and he was getting he was getting tore up by the mosquitoes. And I was like, "Hey, that, that, yeah, Serge, you right." The whole episode. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. In the back, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, buddy." Yeah. So, so Jawan, ain't now, nothing like when the rabbit got the gun, baby. Jawan, now, now sometimes these events are, are last more than one day. What's the whole process of you go in and then you're gonna go back, Jawan? Come on now. Really? Okay, you got in, you got out. Honestly, if it wasn't for having to like connect the dots on the story, I'm really cool with a one day investigation. I'm like, like, (laughs) we don't really need to go back and see what we just saw. Right. Um, But the way it's set up, man, it takes a a, a week to do an entire episode. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll get there. The first night we're typically doing a baseline investigation. So that's where we pull up to the spot. Uh, Dalen knows the location. Marcus and I don't know anything. That's what we have our, our, our like notorious pop the trunk scene. Uh, we get out and we hit the location. We investigate. We pull all the ev- evidence together. What we find, we share with Dalen. Dalen then fills us in on all the stuff that um, he knew. And so now we're connecting these pieces. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and then we have another investigation later on. And that's to kind of tie the, all, the whole episode together with some of the previous claims and history of, uh, uh, surrounding the place. Man, um, and it all comes together over a week's time. Uh, we then we we sit down with whoever is like the owner or somebody who's having issues with the location, and we provide them with the clarity or answers to questions that they've been looking for. Um, and that's that like that wrap up that you're talking about. Right. You know what I mean? Like we have that that uh, that logical conclusion, and like we don't necessarily say we have all the answers, but we do want to give you some some clarity or. Maybe we'll tell you, like, bro, it's just joining haunted. Like, I've had we like you might want to put that joint on the market. Like, you might, or, or you might want to you might want to split that rent up because <laughs> they live here just like you live here. <laughs> well, the beauty of this, Marcus. Hey, you better tell these folks. You better tell them Hey, hey, Dalen, you know, and Jawan and uh, Marcus, fame has come you guys' way because of this, you know, and the fame is always interesting because you don't know how people react to that fame, you know. So I know being your, your barber, Marcus, uh, has it helped your, uh, your clientele or helped your role? Because I want each one of you guys to explain this, how this Ghostbuster fame, or Ghost Brothers fame, excuse me, has positively impacted your careers and where we go from here, starting with you, Dalen. Uh, man, to be completely honest, I don't feel like we're famous, man. I feel like our demographic of people that watch the show are uh, middle America. And I feel like on our every day, we don't just get noticed walking about and people running up to us like you would think in with most TV shows. So I feel like we still get to have that little bit of anonymity with, uh, you know, which is our lives, which is super dope. But what it has done is just open up a level of conversation for us because genuinely it's not a room that we can't walk into that once they figure out what we do, that we don't automatically become the most interesting person in the world. It don't matter if President Obama is in there. They're going to be like, dang, man, we voted for you. But dang, Dalen, what you say you saw at that crazy house? <laughs> like, it's always going to fall back. Obama's going to be like, hey, 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 Dalen, uh, Jamar, Marcus, uh, what, uh, uh, what, you, uh, what you see in the White House? Huh? <laughs> you know? Jamar, talk to me, baby. Man, uh, it's real. Like Dalen had a really good point. Like we don't get recognized on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so when we're out in public, it's rare that somebody's like, Oh my God, that's Jawan or that's Dalen, that's Marcus from the ghost brothers. And so I'm still hit with like surprises and I'm really humbled when that does happen. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like, I guess I appreciate 
the fact that like we haven't been catapulted into like stardom. And it's almost like we have the ability to kind of ease our way into it and get you comfortable with accepting this celebrity that you have. Right. Because like we can't negate the fact that, yes, there is a certain celebrity status that comes with what we're doing. But this time that we're having allows me to accept it and be human and be human and humble about what it is. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times it can go to somebody's head when they get famous. And I think the three of us being in television and film uh, in our past and not being catapulted into stardom is allowing us to really accept that and understand what what uh, it means to have that platform. Now, Marcus, I know it went to your head. Look at that head big. It's growing. As I, as I look. It's, it's all that cap ain't, can't fit no more. I, I told y'all, you said that the group wasn't going to be nothing until they got David Ruffin. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> until they until they hired David Ruffin, they weren't going to be nothing. No, no, for real, though. Um, what I think that was dope about this is um, as Dalen and Juwan came up with this, it's like it's, it's a lane that we're not even in. So... Mm-hmm it automatically keeps you humble because it's nothing that you are already good at that you kind of like can have an arrogance about. Mm-hmm. So it allows you to like really um, look at your life in a, in a very holistic way and, and like really see what fame is, you know, cause even when I look at how we can go somewhere and in a, in a comic con or some type of place and, and feel a little celebrity, we're like, it's, it's just for this. You feel what I'm saying? So it allows you to kind of even look at every aspect of your life and just, look at it way more sober than you would normally um, if it was just something that just like hit America and just blew all the way up and then we can't go outside like we're a, a, a boy band or something like that, right. you know? Right. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Right. Like, and then like you said, like, right. like right. Dalen said, our, our demographic is, you know, middle America and we're three brothers in Atlanta, so... You know, because you know, I was just telling you guys this. You know, you know, that's what I do. I build brands. I look at brands. I yeah. look at I look at people, and I I determine their success paths. Okay, you know, you guys should be doing a podcast. Y'all should drift off into UFOs if you know they ever thought that because that's that's waiting on you too. You know that on the down the fly flying objects, they waiting on you. Okay, and so, but you should have a podcast right now. Okay. Also, the the COVID has kind of slowed you guys down for live events. You know, you guys can put on your own. Seriously, man, don't worry about black people not knowing you. That, that, that ain't where the real money at anyway. Real money is is in general market. That's what that's what has you on TV right now. General market has you on TV. You're not on TV one. You're not on BET. Go to your market strength. You guys are special, man. You're articulate. You're smart. I know you're entrepreneurs. I'm just telling you something that I know. It's that your greatness is tied to who you guys are. Y'all individually tied to your own success. Know that you will be super big in 2021 because they're coming out of this COVID. Plan for it, man. Plan for the fall. That's when the checks are going to roll. Plan to know that these live events are waiting on you guys. Get you a podcast, man. Please get y'all a podcast so y'all can tell y'all stories so y'all can own that market. Get a big contract from Spotify, Spotify, somebody like that. Okay? Yes, sir. And, 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 and you know what's funny? And I was, was probably going to say the same thing, Marcus. We've been putting that into all COVID. We've been doing a weekly Zoom call, Ghost Brothers and Chill, that allows the fans to Zoom in call. So it's not just a podcast. It allows the fans to actually, in real time, speak with us, see us, you know, us get, in, get involved with them, get close with them. And events, man, we, we run our uh, Ghost Brothers weekend every Halloween weekend in Savannah. We've been doing that for the past three or four years. We keep that up every year. 
And uh, yeah, man, we rocking and rolling. So we on the same page with you. Good, merch. good. Yeah, yeah, go get y'all's merch. Straightghosting.com. Well, was, you know well, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Go well, check well, us out. Well, send me some links so I can promote you. I'm going to put you on my newsletter. But more importantly, man, I'm just proud of you guys and just want to let you know what I see is special. What I see is unique. Mm-hmm. And uh, sitcoms waiting in your future. And whatever. I'm going to tell you something about you three guys. Whatever y'all want to do, y'all can do. Y'all young, y'all look good. And Hollywood is about the youth. Okay, and it's about your resume and what you accomplished. I'm just letting you know you can do those Zoom calls, but checks don't come with that. Checks come with YouTube yep. and checks come with podcasts and yep. checks come with radio. So I'm a man. That's why you're on money making conversation. I try to give advice to individuals. If you're going to spend your time on a Zoom, spend your time on a podcast. You're going to spend your time on a Zoom. Build your subscribers on your YouTube channel because that's how you're going to get paid. You're not going to get paid on Instagram. You're not going to get paid on Zoom because you guys are gifted. Use that gift, develop that newsletter so y'all can start start that momentum. There's a lot of people sitting around waiting to be a part of the team. Start building that team of people who want to make y'all great. That's what I've done all my life. I've done it with celebrities, too many to name. And I'm special because of that. I had to learn that about myself when I stopped managing Steve Harvey. I had to put a team around me because I was frustrated because things weren't happening. And I went, hey, because you're by yourself, fool. You're by yourself. You're not going to achieve success until people buy into your dream. That's all I got to say, man. Thank you, sir. Yeah, we, well, man. make sure that everybody comes to the Moose Lair since y'all all in Atlanta. The Moose Lair uh, Gallery, my uh, art gallery that is a barbershop. You'll love it. It's a black man's bucket list uh, right there. A, back, a black man's bucket list situation. One of the best, best spots in the uni- universe. And I United will State. come there and buy some stuff, brother. That's what yes, I do. Yeah, I bought a yes. building here in Atlanta, and I, I, I'm about to take over my second floor. Going to need some artwork on that wall. I don't come yes, in a place. I don't go in a restaurant asking for food discounts, especially when they're owned by black people. All I know is that you guys are gifted. I just want to bring on the show. Also, use my platform to promote your brand, the Ghost Brothers, on Money Making Conversations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we will be right back with more money-making conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out, and for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. 
Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversation. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads, the Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is... Kwame Johnson. He is the president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metro Atlanta. He's partnered with local leaders, celebrities, and influential men in Atlanta to give youth, especially young boys, every opportunity to succeed. I think relationships is something anybody can do. Anybody could be a mentor, right? It doesn't require a brand new government program, hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> if everybody took on the challenge that that's made it, because if you ask people, how'd you get to where you are? I guarantee you most of them didn't do it on their own. If, you, if everyone else could take on that challenge, just think about what kind of city we can have in Atlanta. It's something we can scale. It's something we can all do and lean into. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who is genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest is, he's a decision maker. He's a, he's a CEO. He's a celebrity in the world that he runs. He's a, most importantly, he's an entrepreneur. His name is Paul Epstein. He's a 15 year NFL and NBA uh, executive, keynote speaker, host, and author of The Power of Plan or Offense. And I'm going to ask him about that because I'm a former comedian. I used to always do, there's an offensive comedian, and I said not offensive in a or profanity, but you can be an aggressive and non aggressive. So we'll see if we align in that approach to how he's doing this this power plan mode. Paul is an expert in leadership and organizational culture with nearly 15 years of experience as a professional sports executive for multiple NFL and NBA teams. Wow. A global sports agency and an NFL league office, leading and coaching business teams, most recently the San Francisco 49ers. It was there that Paul had a life-changing transformation. He found his why, to inspire purpose in others so they can play offense in life. As founder of Purpose Lab, that is Purpose Labs, Paul is on a mission to impact millions of lives by sharing his message of playing offense as an author, keynote speaker, and a business coach. He's on the show to talk about leadership and the culture of being successful. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Paul Epstein. Hey, Rashawn, what an intro, my man. That's awesome. I can't wait to dive in and um, just know you and I align on so many levels. So let's do this. Well, you know, the first of all, it's, it's, it's about aligning. Uh, and let's talk about that because of the fact that uh, no, let's let's get let's get the little March Madness uh, history out the way first. You know what I'm saying? There's love here, Paul. There's love here, Paul. Right, but you know, right, but there's thing. also some pain here, Paul. I'm a graduate of the University of Houston. You're a proud graduate of the Michigan War Rooms. And um, a couple Go of years blue. ago, Go Blue. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah, a couple of years ago. Your, your, your Wolverines knocked out my Cougars on what I call a last-second Jalen Suggs-type shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because sports has always played. A, I, I'm not an athlete, and I, I don't know if your history is, it stems from being an athlete, but, you know, sports is what this, this, this is an, such an, a strong analogy in mm-hmm. professionalism and corporate speak. And so many different, why does sports align itself so well when you're talking about organizations, when you're talking about motivation, when you're talking about teamwork? How does sports play such a major role like that, Paul? Yeah, that's a great one. And look, I think on the surface, everybody tapping into this conversation can understand that what you look for in, I'll put it in the performance bucket, whether you're performing on the court or the field or in the boardroom, you're looking for a lot of the same traits and characteristics. So you want people that have that leveled up 
work ethic, positivity, coachability, that sense of passion. And they ultimately need to have a deeper purpose. In other words, do they believe deeply in the game that they're playing? Regardless of what walk of life, when your why is strong enough, what I have discovered is you'll figure out the how. Because inevitably, life and business and sports, if it was all blue skies and it would be easy, but you and I both know, and we're coming off one of the more tumultuous years that at least personally I've seen, I'm sure a lot of folks listening have experienced that being 2020. And so when you think about that adversity, it always strikes. It's inevitable. We don't know when, we don't know how big. And my argument for purpose is that it is the fuel of courage. Purpose is the fuel of resilience. And here's how I boil it down. Purpose is going to keep you on the treadmill of life, especially on the days you want to get off. And that's really what I think can apply, whether it's sports, whether it's business or zoom out and whether it's about life. And that's essentially how I approach the power of playing offense. It's universally applicable. You know, the really interesting thing about it is that some people get it right away. And I admire that, you know, uh, and I had I, I wasn't into my 40s that I really trusted myself. I think purpose and trust mm. is tied together. I believe so. And uh, and so and why is that? You know, because, you know, you see talented people would have to be coached up. You hear that word coached yep. up, you know, have to be motivated because sometimes they don't believe that the gifts that God has given them or the, the innate talents that have made them special or, or, or shouldn't be shared on the court or shouldn't be shared at the level that they feel they can even expect of themselves. And you always hear the story that Michael Jordan didn't play varsity, you know, because he was cut. So, right. so was that because he didn't realize how great he could be? Or he didn't realize the talent he had at that moment. So when we talk about purpose, let's dive in a little bit deeper. Not so much the book. The book has the book is like a course in understanding the layers of how to find it within you. That's what I loved about your book. It's not a mm-hmm. book that because I read a lot of books, Paul. They just tell you do this, do this, do this. But your book tells you that, but also tells you gives you steps on to look inside you and define your mission. And that's why I talk about telling people, write your own story. And that's what yes. you're asking people to do with your book, correct? Yes. And I love where you're bringing us about not only knowing who you are, but really in a nutshell, that's leadership. Yes. See, the, the piece is, mm-hmm. Rashawn, most mm-hmm. books, mm-hmm. when they're inspired from the right place, mm-hmm. sometimes it comes from pain, yes. right? And my pain was, This is the playbook that I never had. And what I mean by that is I was trained to be a manager and I was trained to achieve results. I was trained to gain success, but nobody gave me the playbook for significance. Mm. Nobody gave me that playbook of what now I look at as leadership, which is before we lead others, we must first lead ourselves. Where's that playbook in the world? And that's that inward look. That's that look in the mirror. That's that accountability to self. Because if we're not doing a great job of leading ourselves, why are we trying to lead others and teams and cultures and organizations? And that's really where this was. So that's ultimately, you know, kind of what inspired it. But also I spoke about the pain, Rashawn. And one of those things is this is a, a harsh reality, but six out of 10 leaders in Fortune 1000 companies, quote, have never received a single day of leadership training. That's a scary statistic Mm -hmm. because what that leads to is, and this is very public information, 
seven out of 10 working folks in the world are disengaged. Mm-hmm. They don't like what they do, who they do for, where they do it. So, you know, you kind of understand people's pain and those challenges. So I'm on a mission to flip that on its head because the working world and just the world in general, I imagine is I want folks like you and I and right. everybody listening in to be inspired to step into each day, to make a contribution and an impact that matters to them. And then on the back end, I want them to be fulfilled. And here's where your story aligns so well with mine. I know that part of your piece is leading with your gifts. Mm -hmm. Imagine if every day you had an opportunity to exercise your gifts, your talents, Mm -hmm. your passions, Mm That's the world that I imagine. And that's not only why I wrote the book, but that's how I, that's the spirit that I attack each day with. You know, here's the interesting thing. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, my degree is in mathematics and minor in sociology. Sociology mm. really changed my life on how I look at people. It really helps me shape my decisions today. Now, I, 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 my career launched on stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy. And so when you start talking about that leadership, you know, that's the natural part of me. Because I always figured if I was in a room of 100 people, if I got 70 people to laugh, then I was winning. You know, I was going to walk off. Because you're not going to get everybody. You know that. And so now the conversation we're having here, you have small work environments as leadership. And then you have a larger small corporations and large corporations. It's that culture that we're talking about, that leadership culture. That's when you're saying, how do if, if leaders aren't trained to be leaders, then they will fail as the as the as the crowd gets bigger. They can't hear you. You know, it's like everybody up front can hear your conversation. Are you talking to the people in the back? I remember Paul, I was with, with Steve and and, and was, was talking about playing big arenas like 3,000 and 7,000, 20,000 seat arenas. That's a lot of people to control. And whenever we would go out on stage, we would always make sure we pointed to the rear of the arena. Just to let those people know we see you. And that's mm. what leadership is all about, is acknowledging that you see everybody, even if you don't really see them, but you acknowledge that they're there. And that's where leadership falls apart by not acknowledging everybody and giving them a sense of purpose and also acknowledging they have a gift that can be utilized significantly by this company or the role that you play. Am I on the same page with your book? A hundred percent. Literally the third pillar, Rashawn, is called salute the long snapper. Now you don't need to be a sports fan to get this analogy. I'll just break it down in five seconds. Mm -hmm. The long snapper is the guy that hikes the ball to the punter. They are the person in life that if they do 99 things right, they'll never hear a word. Right. But they do one thing wrong and they'll never hear the end of it. Right. And the reality is... We've all been a long snapper at some point in our life. And so my mission and my message here is we need to shine a light on those long snappers because there's way more long snappers in the world than there are star quarterbacks. But in business and in a lot of walks, all we do is praise the quarterback. We only praise the leader when you and I both know that it takes a village. And until everybody, long snappers included, they feel like they genuinely, genuinely have a seat at the table. That's when they know they matter. That's when they're going to give their all to the cause because they actually feel recognized, valued, seen, heard. So yes, you and I are kindred (laughs) spirits in that way. Well, that's important because when you're trying to you know, to write a book, a, a book as good as you know, I, 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 haven't, I haven't written a book yet. People keep telling me I need to write a book, and so, so when I run across a book like this, 
It talks about leadership. It talks about trust. It talks about being able to show your role. And something you said earlier about what do you the, the your level of significance? Because I always talk to people mm. about significance because that's that puts a, a statement of your value. Because, you know, people can say, we well, you know, LeBron James get a lot of money. Well, because he stated his significance. OK, so right. so because he stated his significance, that can apply to you if you're in the mailroom. If you're a significant person in the mailroom, then guess what? They're going to move you out of the mailroom because they see value in you. Talk about how people in generally don't understand that. That's the key. Uh, I always tell a story about when I was a uh, uh, intern. I, I work in a college intern at IBM, and they had told me, Paul, that they only kept people there for one semester, and that was it. Well, I stayed there for two and a half years because I showed them that you couldn't let me go because I had value to the employees that you hired that were full-time. And so I played that game out because I trusted my natural instinct. Now, you're saying the same thing is that you weren't in you weren't in the sports world for 15 years successfully because they liked you. That can get you in the door. But you understood being able to open up lanes of significance that people value. And that's why you retain that high level of success. Can you break it down for my viewers and listeners? A hundred percent. And the way that I will break it down is this. And to your point, Rashawn, mm-hmm. is super important here. Mm-hmm. Yes, to success, but ultimately, especially in the world I was in, you had to perform or there was no seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And so I understood that track record and street cred and all these different things matter. But let me zoom out for a second and then I'm going to come back to success and significance. Thank you. I think at a larger societal level, one of the challenges is we, especially here in the United States, we're raised in a way where we look at your trophies. We look at the brands that you represent or that you associate with. We're always chasing success. And that's the first mountain of life. And I did not know that there was a second mountain coming, which is the one about significance. (laughs) But let me come back to the first mountain of success. So you're climbing and you're climbing and the better you are, the better your LinkedIn profile looks. You just keep climbing. And then inevitably what I do, because like you, Rashawn, On my podcast, I'm interviewing some of the most successful people in the world. And you know what one of the common things that I hear is, as I'm sure you've heard, I get to the top of the mountain and I look around and I ask myself, is this it? Like I did all that work. I won all these trophies. I got the ultimate level of success. And on the inside, I don't feel fulfilled. The goalposts keep moving further away. I get one promotion. I just want the next. I get one pay raise. I just want more. And it's a game of more and more. And you never get there. That's the first mountain of life, which is success. What I graduated to because of some hard times, because I wasn't feeling alive on the inside. Significance is the second mountain. Because if success is about self, significance is about serving others. I didn't know that was important when I was younger. I was told it, but my ego got in the way. So now I step into the world of service, of contribution, of impact, of leaving it better than I found it, whether that means a people or a place. And I'll tell you, Rashawn, ever since I started to focus on significance over success, that's when my life took off. And here's a last piece for you. I've met many people that have success, but don't feel significance. However, I have never met a single one person 
that has achieved significance and is not successful. It's interesting how that works out. We know it's really it's really a great conversation we're having because, you know, I, I can share so many examples. Uh, one of my dominant examples was when I was managing Steve Harvey. Despite all my success, I was confused. And confusion can block your significance because mm. you have to have a clear path to what you're trying to achieve in life. You know, I don't care about the Emmys, the Image Awards, the number one box office success, the number one books, Family Feud being number one, talk shows being launched. I, I lost my significance. I lost my, I was confused as to where I wanted to go you know, the next five or 10 years, because in 2000, when I started managing, I was clearly had a path of what I wanted to do with him. He had a clearly a path what he wanted to do with me. We wanted to change the game. We wanted to do talk shows. We wanted to do game shows. We wanted to just be a dominant force. But along the way, you know, you, 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 you start realizing, is that the same dream for you now? And that's mm. when the confusion set in for me. And I just want to let people know that when you start talking about finding your significance, finding your why, it cannot be tied to confusion. If you're confused by anything you're trying to do mm. or achieve, you will not achieve significance. And I wanted to, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, I wanted to be honest because I felt after reading your book, I had to be honest to be able to tell people why this book is relatable to me and what is readable because of the fact that you can see people. Label successful. Label got everything you want, the cars, and they've got all the amplified on social media. But what is their point of view? I did not have it, Paul. Mm. I did mm. not have it. And reading your yeah. book helped refocus me and realize I had it. I just didn't I just didn't drill down and just start saying you can't have this. This is not it. This is not it. This is not it. This is you. And that's what your book enabled me to say. Now on this call is that my lead with my gifts, that's Rashawn McDonald. And everything that I've done in building to this moment, money-making conversations, that's Rashawn McDonald. These are brands that have been built out out of what I want to talk about. And that's what this book is about, is when I tell people, you know, stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. And that's what your book is telling everybody, Paul. Talk to us. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah, you just nailed it. That's That's essentially when I could say... Are you living and leading with purpose? Which that's an honest question for us to ask ourselves. And where whether it's this playbook or whether it's just the way that you enter each day, think of it from this framework. I call this your identity model. Right. And everybody listening to this has an identity. And my challenge is, are we being authentic to our identity? So let me break this down. The inner layer of your identity is your purpose. Your purpose is your why. The next layer are your core values and your values are your who. So if the innermost layers of your identity is a combination of your why and your who, what that then does, they inform your belief system, how you make decisions, your daily behaviors, and last but not least, your actions. So this outermost layer is how you show up every day. The question is, are your outer layers connected to the inner layers? In other words, are you showing up in a way that's aligned and connected to who you are at your core? Prior to finding my purpose, the answer was heck no. Absolutely not, yeah. Rashawn. I was not. I was misaligned. I was not connected. I lacked some sense of authenticity because I was over chasing success. Mm. But now 
I'm on this second mountain of life called significance. And that's where I started to align who I am on my best day. And I just rinse and repeat every single day. But it means nothing unless I show up through my actions, behaviors, and decisions. That's how you live and lead with purpose. And it's something that I'm so grateful that I realized that lesson over the course of my life because that's literally what I do for a living. My calling is to pay this gift forward. Because I want people to experience the same transformation that I had. It's amazing. I'm talking to Paul Epstein. He's an expert in leadership and organizational culture. For the last 15 years, he's been a success. But he defined and redefined himself when he discovered his why. And here's the funny thing about it. You know, if you if you would have been watching me read this book, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very uh, animated. And so there's two phrases I always use, Paul. I always tell people, don't be afraid to fire people because you're stopping them from living the dream they want to live. Okay? Remember that mm. thought, okay? And then I always tell people, you know, because a lot of people, you know, racism does exist. But I always tell people, at least give yourself a shot. And I always tell people that if they, the way you give yourself a shot is decisions are always made looking by a person looking left, looking right, and in front. Nobody turns around and makes a decision. Okay? If you're standing, intentionally standing behind somebody, or you're standing behind somebody while they're making the decision, they're not going to pick you. So understand, you you understand why you're there. You may want to get, might need to get fired or find another job. Now, in reading your book, this line really made me dance. It says, it's in the, it's in the transformation of disengaged to inspired. Look to your left. <laughs> Look to your right. Seven out of 10 people don't want to be here. They'd rather be working somewhere else for someone else. That let me know that I was perfectly aligned because you took two of my concepts and said it in that one sentence. I'll tell people, look to the left, look to the right, look in front. If you're not in that person's visual sight of decision-making, you're not part of that culture. And that's what you're talking about. Mm. If the person is at your state of employment, they're not working up to your expectation, fire them. Let them go so they can go do the job that they really want to do, but you need to push them and enable them to do it by disenfranchising them from this opportunity that they don't want to be at. And that's what you're saying. Tell us the significance of that statement right there in your book because it was transformable for me because it made me align myself with saying, stay focused, Rashawn. You're doing the right things because that's what he's saying in his book. Stay focused and align yourself with people who follow the same path. Yeah, I, I think it's not only aligning yourself with people that that connect you in terms of your core spirit, mm-hmm. but I also think in a very practical way, I'll actually let the audience in on a little bit of a backstory. So this is what led to that Jerry Maguire moment where yes, I sir. took mm-hmm. that leap of faith away from sports, which is a decision I never thought I would make. But it was my executive coach who, and you called it out earlier, Rashawn, from the University of Michigan. So go blue, my executive <laughs> MBA coach. Uh, her name is Sue Ann. Sue Ann and I had a combo when I was head of sales and business development for the San Francisco 49ers. And literally, this was it. She said, Paul, I know what you do. What do you love about it? What do you hate about it? And what's in the middle? Meaning, what do you tolerate? So love, hate, tolerate. And I want everybody to ask yourself those three questions about what it is that you do. And then she said, okay, go deeper on that love bucket. And I said, all right, Sue Ann, I love being a coach just like you. I love the people side, the culture side of business. I love investing in relationships. And she just said, awesome. On a good day, what percentage of your time are you doing that? 
And I started to sing down in my chair because I knew the answer was a little ugly. Literally, I was in strategy, meeting after meeting, sometimes meetings, talk about meetings and all this noise. But I wasn't doing what I loved to do. I was working in an industry that I loved, but the job, I fell out of love with it. And here's the reality. And here's the takeaway for everybody listening in. From that point forward, I started to say, Mm -hmm. what I do on a day-to-day, every activity of each day, it either gives me energy mm-hmm. or it depletes me of my energy. There's no in-between. Something gives you fuel or it depletes you of your fuel. So you need to be honest with yourself and not only in the mirror, but if you're in a leadership position, how do the people around you feel? And so when I said that seven out of 10 people being disengaged and you just shined a light on that statistic, Rashawn, I'm basically saying that most of us, do things every day that deplete us of our fuel. We are disengaged. It's not tied to our purpose. It's paycheck over purpose. And so how can we get in tune with who we are? What energizes us? Because that's the key. What are you curious about? What gives you energy? That will help you find your passion. That will help you find your purpose. But don't worry about the purpose thing. That's too big on step one. That's step five in the game. Step one is what are you curious about? What gives you energy? And there's hints in there about your passion. That's where I would start. You know, and I, it's absolutely true. And the one of the things that really launched me in, in 2018, I was doing an interview. Or whatever, and um, th- th- we was talking about age. We was talking because so many people just stop their dreams when they get 50 or they, and they, they, 60, 70. They, they, they think they can't do anything beyond that. And, um, and as we wrap, talk to my audience about not letting age Diminish your significance, diminishing your purpose, and stopping you from living your dreams. Yeah, that's a great one. And and look, I I think where we can all align is, uh, even if the work conversation for some, you know, some people find themselves in a career, others in a job. So we're not all in the same spot there. But here's where I think we can align and find common ground. Mm -hmm. Relationships. And in this case, I would say the way that I boil it down is, Every day you're with the wrong person is the day that you're not with the right person, right? So like, if you think of life in that sense, is it ever too late to meet the one? Is it ever too late to transition from Mm -hmm. job to career Mm -hmm. to calling? It's never too late. Age has nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. I would argue that even if I could fast forward decades ahead in my life, if I was not feeling significance or purpose, it would still be the greatest gift that I had ever received. Age is the number. The mission is, the goal is, you want to feel alive. And every day you don't feel alive, you're only getting in your own way. So let's lock arms. Let's meet at the 50, as I say. And let's feel alive. <laughs> you know that that the infamous fifty yard line. You know you can either you go. It. You know, and that's why I go back to sports, man. I, you know, I, I, um, I never played professional sports, nor collegiate or high school. But for sports, tend to people whether you female, male, different age groups. In in your role in being a guy who's who's walked in stadiums sold out. What is the most, I mean, this may be a question, what is the question that was in your book? Just a question about a person who's lived that, that glorified world of seeing people, fans, fandom. What is your biggest takeaway that fans can take away while watching sports that they can give to their personal life and professional life? Yeah, so 
let's say you're in a packed stadium mm-hmm. and other people may look at 70,000 folks and see 70,000 fans. My perspective, and this is a great life lesson, every seat has a story. So when I look out at 70,000 people, I see 70,000 stories that are in the making. So I see somebody that just came back from serving overseas. I see somebody that just battled cancer and is now in remission and top of their bucket list. Let me go watch my favorite team play. I see a mother, father, daughter, son, a family of four creating a lifelong memory that they just don't realize that the next three hours is about to deliver. That's how I see a stadium. That's how I see the world. And that's how I see people. It's about humanity. And at the end of the day, we all have a story. And just remember, whether it's a company or even inside your house, every seat has a story. Wow. The power of playing offense. Paul Epstein, I want to thank you for coming on my show, Money Making Conversations, man. Can we be friends, brother? I know we, uh, oh, we, we, we're done. Yeah, okay. of course. You know, of so course. We, this we, is a we, lifelong journey. You know, we connected because I come out to California. I, I lived in California 15 years. I know exactly what Pasadena is, California. One of my favorite communities to go out there and eat. And so uh, Stephen A. Smith and I are doing a lot of TV projects out there. So I'd love to introduce you to him. I think it's somebody that you love meeting, sit around and talk because he's a journalist background and we're doing a lot of productions and I think that we may want to slide in, do some productions together on the TV media side as well, Paul. Okay. Yeah, would love to. Would love to meet you at the fifty as well as Stephen A. So appreciate you having me on today. Well, you'll be able to hear him before the fifty. You know that. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> well, brother, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations, Paul. All right, thank you. Be well. Appreciate it. If you want to hear more money making money making conversations interviews, please go to moneymakingconversations.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones. For those who like to keep it cozy, find fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Or support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide. Give with all your heart this season with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. Reclaim your Saturdays. Call 1-800-GOT-JUNK and two smiling, happy people will magically appear at your front door. They'll be driving a clean, shiny truck. And they'll be wearing snappy, happy uniforms. All you have to do is point, 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 point. And that junk will be gone, 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 gone. Hooray, you have a Saturday. Give us a call. And we'll give you back your Saturdays. Call 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Or visit 1-800-GOT-JUNK.COM. Look through your children's eyes, and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.